In California, we have what may be the wildest Airbnb story to date, and the official Airbnb correspondent, yours truly, will be telling you all about that. In Florida, the dental program at a state prison may soon see an upgrade as a dentist is convicted in the hiring of a hitman resulting in the murder of his brother-in-law and in Tennessee. Hunting season for two hunters took a bizarre turn as they discover a body in the woods. Mm. These stories and more are coming at you today, Monday, on Real Life Real Crime Daily. And I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Happy Monday, fellas. Wait before anybody says anything. We have to do this. You know why? It's not kinky crime time. See, Mike's looking at me like, this is highly irregular. Mm. This is not in the bylaws or whatever he says, but it is my anniversary. Oh, Oh, there you go. It is my anniversary. Apparently, you're planning on spicing things up a little bit tonight. Look, I got me a fireman uh, outfit, and I'm going to go home this evening, and I'm going to knock on the door, and Wendy's going to be like, who is it at the door? She's going to open the door, and I'm going to say, somebody told me there's a fire here. (laughs) That's good. And I'm going to give her that look, Woody. Yeah, yeah, that. You, you know could that go look. with your Stone Cold yeah. costume, too. Yeah, that I was could pretty do strong. that. that I could strong. do that. Nah, the fireman's better. Fireman's better. I need to put out your fire. I brought my baby. <laughs> brought my axe to put That's out right. the fire. That's right. Give her that Extinguish look. Extinguish your flame. That's right. I'm like a like a, a tiger pouncing right. on its prey. Pounce on your prey. So, what do you? I got something. And I, that's really no. That that that'll be a great. Happy. Idea. I want. We want video. Will you let that. me tell my wife happy anniversary? I thought she did. Okay, sorry. <laughs> happy, happy anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> happy anniversary to my sweet wife. Twenty five years of bless yes. with me has right. to be a great thing. Actually, a hard thing for her. A great thing for me. So <laughs> happy. Thank you. She's an angel. Love you. Yeah. Now we may continue. You know, you sometimes you miss stuff when we're in here recording and you go back and listen to an episode and pick up a little something. More times than not, it's it's Woody because he Slips. he tends to just say these things real you know low while you're in the middle of a story. I was listening to Thursday's episode and I <laughs> picked up on you saying that uh, that you had a thing for Isaac the bartender on I the did. love boat. Yeah. Right, I, mean, I, I explained it. That's what he did. Okay, so uh-huh. so that's a that legit Woody and Isaac. Okay, because because the position he was in, I used to bartend in college, and it was like being a magnet, right? Yeah, I could imagine having applying drinks to you know, especially like if it was a women's bachelorette party or whatever. Isaac, I bet you Isaac had it going on. And he had a red jacket. Yes. That red jacket yes. set it off. And a black, right? bu- black bow tie. Burgundy, really. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bow tie. Look. And he had that spot. I need to do a where are they now on Isaac. The love bow. Good one. All right. Let's get into some crime time for Monday. And we gave you the teaser at the beginning, and that is another Airbnb story. And this one, this one actually has been making some major national news and has been for a while. Uh, So if you're not familiar with the story, listen up. A lady by the name of Elizabeth Hirshhorn, which was a Brentwood tenant of an Airbnb did not pay her rent for the luxury Airbnb rental. Get this for 570 days. What? 
She finally moved out last Friday. During her stay, which began in September of 2021, uh, Hirshhorn said the lease was extended off B&B, Airbnb and that the unit was subject to the rent control ordinance. So the owner, which is a Sasha Jovanovich, would either have to evict her if he if she wanted her or would have to evict her if she wanted her to leave. She also argued that she didn't have to pay the rent since Jovanovic never obtained an occupancy license for the guest house. Jovanovic, who lives actually on the property, was at home last Friday being interviewed for a documentary detailing the battle between him and Hirshhorn when he saw three men who turned out to be movers walk into the guest house. He asked why they were there. They didn't say why. He suspected they could be moving out, but fear she could be moving out, but feared it could be a home invasion. So he calls the police. The police arrived, and once all of Hirshhorn's belongings were packed, they escorted her off the property. Jovanovic and his attorney, Sebastian Rushi, knocked on the door to confirm she was gone, entered the guest house, and it was empty. So they had a locksmith go change the locks, and it's unclear if she's moved out permanently or if she's planning to return to the property. Jovanovic and Rucci said they hadn't heard anything from her or her legal team, so they assumed she moved out for good. Um, so this whole situation was really bizarre to me when I first read it. Um Apparently, this woman moved into this property, this Airbnb, and realized that the owner of this home uh, was not allowed to rent Airbnbs. And she figured out, well, they apparently in California, there's a major issue with like evicting people. You've Mm got to go through 10 kinds of hell. So this lady just said, well, I'm going to make them evict me, and I'm going to stay here until it happens. She actually stayed in this thing 570 days, but what a piece of crap to do that. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could find an illegal way to get her out of there. uh, That's crazy. It is one of the most bizarre stories I've ever read. Well, my good buddy of mine, one of my best friends, owns a bunch of apartment buildings in L.A., and during the pandemic— you couldn't, it was like, right. it, it was like the suspension of paying off college loans. Mm-hmm. You, if you lost your job, you just say you lost your job, even if you didn't. And, uh, you just stopped paying rent and they couldn't evict you. That's crazy. And so they, uh, uh, everybody, uh, felt the pain during that period because they had tons of tenants. They couldn't kick out of apartments they were in that weren't paying their, uh, their rents and, People lost tons of money, so. Yeah. That is bizarre. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. But Well, she's but, finally out, so yeah. hopefully they'll move on. Hey, wherever she's going, uh, run or beware. But my <laughs> only thing about that is that actually was OJ's mansion. It was in Brentwood, and that was the guest house that Keto Kato Kato was staying in. And if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right. Let's go to another story. So there's a former CIA officer is accused of drugging and sexually assaulting at least two dozen women during various overseas postings. He pled guilty Tuesday in Washington to federal sex abuse charges. Charges can land him behind bars for up to 30 years. So Brian Jeffrey Raymond kept nearly five 
hundred videos and photographs. He took naked, unconscious women, including many in which he can be seen opening their eyelids, groping or straddling them, prosecutors say. Now, I told y'all for the sexual deviant, almost as important as doing the act recording in some way. But these images date back to 2006 and track much of his career with victims in Mexico, Peru, and other countries. The case was just the latest embarrassment for the CIA, which in recent months has seen a reckoning over its secretive and antiquated handling of sexual misconduct claims within the agency. At least two dozen women have come forward to tell authorities in Congress about sexual assaults, unwanted touching, and CIA efforts to silence them. The CIA has publicly condemned Raymond's crimes, and Director William Burns in May launched a series of reforms to streamline claims, support victims, and more quickly discipline those involved in misconduct. As this case shows, we are committed to engaging with law enforcement to ensure that justice is served, the CIA CIA said in a statement. In addition, we take any allegations of sexual assault or sexual harassment extremely seriously and have taken significant steps to ensure we maintain a safe, inclusive, and respectful environment for our workforce. Prosecutors described the 47-year-old Raymond as an experienced sexual predator who kept detailed accounting of potential victims organized by name, ethnicity, and notes of their physical characteristics. Investigators combing his devices found an incriminating online search history for phrases such as Ambien and alcohol and pass out and vodka and Valium. In one email to an online pharmacy, Raymond wrote, Hello, you have chloral hydrate for insomnia, right? Like, I get the fuck out of here. When he, <laughs> insomnia. when he was arrested three years ago, Raymond had been stationed in Mexico City where he would meet women on dating apps and invite them back to his embassy leased apartment for a few drinks. The San Diego native, who is fluent in Spanish and Mandarin, was all only discovered in 2020 after a naked woman Raymond met on Tinder screamed for help from his balcony, which got a worried neighbor to call the cops. Uh, U.S. officials scoured Raymond's electronic devices, began identifying the victims, all of whom described experienced some form of memory loss during their time with him. Raymond pled guilty to four of 25 criminal accounts, including sexual abuse, coercion, and transportation of obscene material. And as part of the agreement announced Tuesday, he faced between 24 and 30 years in prison. Right. Wow. Always an asshole in every crowd. And somebody who I guess thought his position uh, put him above the law and no one was ever going to come after him. Yeah, I mean, so you know the CIA. And fluent in Mandarin, that's impressive. The CIA uh, is not authorized to conduct any type of business on U.S. US Right, on U.S. soil. So he really thought he was safe because he's in Mexico City and Peru, places mm. like that. Little known fact, I'm also flying in Mandarin. Really? Yeah. I bet you I'll give us one. Dang dong. <laughs> they call me Fletch. Remember that? Chevy <laughs> Yes, yeah, I love Fletch. It's the last funny thing he did, but yeah, it was very funny. <clears throat> I love Fletch. Let's go back to Florida. It all happens there. Pinellas County? No, but we got a Florida dentist who has been convicted of murder after hiring a hitman to kill his brother-in-law during a custody battle between his sister and that brother-in-law. 
A Florida dentist was found guilty of hiring a hitman in 2014 to shoot and kill his brother-in-law who was in the midst of a custody battle with his sister. On Monday, a jury in Tallahassee convicted Charlie Adelson, age 47, of all counts in the 2014 shooting death of Dan Markell, 41, who was a popular uh, Florida State law professor. The jury found him guilty of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and solicitation of first-degree murder. The jury deliberated for three hours before coming to that decision. Prosecutors argued that Charlie hatched the murder-for-hire plot on behalf of his younger sister, Wendy Adelson. After Markell and Wendy divorced, she wanted to move to Miami with their two children to be closer to the rest of her family. But a judge said she couldn't do it without the consent of her ex-husband. Markel, the ex-husband, was against the move because it would be taking his children some 500 miles away from Tallahassee to Miami. On the morning of July 18, 2014, Markel was shot twice in the head at point-blank range while sitting in his Honda Accord in the garage of his Tallahassee home while he was talking on the phone. He was rushed to a local hospital and died 14 hours later. Wendy has denied any involvement in the murder of her ex-husband and has never been charged. Prosecutors argued that Charlie enlisted the help of his then-girlfriend, Katie Magbanua, to hire the father of her children, a man named Tutu Garcia, to kill Markel. Garcia had his longtime friend, Tato Rivera, help him, according to prosecutors. So So he hired two guns. Their names are Tutu and Tato in this case. Garcia, that's Tutu, was the trigger man, and he drove to uh, Tallahassee with Rivera, that's Tato, from Miami in a rental vehicle to commit the crime. Garcia, Tutu, was convicted in 2019 and sentenced to life in prison, plus 30 years. Rivera, that's Tato, was Uh, who is a former Latin King gang leader, by the way, pleaded guilty in 2016 to second-degree murder in a plea deal. In 2022, Magbanua, that's Charlie, right, the brother's girlfriend, was sentenced to life in prison after being convicted of first-degree murder, conspiracy, and solicitation to commit murder. During his trial, Charlie took the stand testifying that he had nothing to do with Markell's murder. Charlie and his attorneys argued that his ex-girlfriend, that would be Magbanua, uh, and the two men, you know their names, Tutu and Tato, um, uh, planned the murder without his knowledge and then extorted him over it. Charlie testified that he had no idea who Rivera, Tato, was being uh, was before he was arrested. He testified that Magbanua told him that her ex-husband and his friend had killed Markel and that he needed to pay more than $300,000 within 48 hours or else he would be killed. That's according to the AP. Markel's family was relieved at the verdict. Quote, this has been a really long and terrible or ordeal for us, his sister Shelley Markell said. According to the Tallahassee Democrat, it's taken a long toll on our lives, and there's a real sense of relief today. Charlie faces life in prison. Tutu. 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 I didn't want anybody to get confused between Tutu and Tutu. They didn't get confused until you said it 400 times. That was a good story there. Ted Lang. Yeah. You know who Ted Lang is? Oh, I heard that name. Well, look, and, and you know the sad thing? I heard that name. Isaac's, Turner. Real, Isaac's real name. Isaac the bartender. Ted Lang. Oh, is it? All joking aside, that um, 
you know, the guy's a dentist, went, went through a lot of school and, and mm-hmm. probably worked very hard to get where he's at, and he just mm-hmm. threw it all away. Yeah. That yeah. fast. Well, and it's people make stupid, stupid ass decisions. And apparently they're convinced that the sister didn't know anything about it because she's never been charged with a thing. I mean, I can prove it. The world has become a smaller place and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show, and that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Au revoir. All right, guys. We've never had an intervention on the show, but we're going to have one right now. And this applies to both of you guys, but perhaps a bit more to Mr. Overton. Mm, Must be alcohol. Well, you know, neither of you guys are 25 anymore, and sometimes you need to take a break away from the alcohol. Oh, boy. So I want to talk to you about a healthy alternative to alcohol that can be just the right fix after a stressful day. You know, Woody, like a day after 10 crazies from Wisconsin come into town to kill a thousand wild boars, and you idiots end up killing a thousand shiner box at the same time. That's going to (laughs) happen. Well, I know it is. And so I want to tell you about a product called Recess Mood. Mm. Think about it. Even the name sounds relaxing. Recess Mood is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Now, while Jim is looking up the meaning of adaptogens, I'll continue on. Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at TakeArecess.com slash R-L-R-C. That's TakeArecess.com slash R-L-R-C. You can enjoy Recess Mood after a busy day or whatever you need to relax and unwind. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. Mm. Those sound yummy. Yeah. It's only got 20 calories, doesn't have any sugar in it. So I don't know if you've ever had guilt, Woody. But if you do, Recess Mood could help you get rid of it. Yeah, but I've had the pain of not having a recess. <laughs> okay, well, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C and get 15% off a Recess Mood sampler pack. It's your go-to alcohol replacement. I don't know. All right, well, uh, I'll tell you what. If they had a, um, uh, I guess, like a, a 
picture of a piece of shit in the dictionary on next oh, or God. next story. This giraffe giraffe shit or just generic shit? No, the, just this guy's an asshole right here. A Los Angeles County coroner's investigator has been arrested on suspicion of stealing a gold chain and a crucifix from around the neck of a dead man. Oh, yeah. The suspect, a 34-year-old man, faces one felony count of grand theft and one misdemeanor count of petty theft. While responding to the heart attack death of a warehouse worker in January, the investigator was recorded on surveillance video removing the crucifix necklace from the body and placing it in his medical bag. He did not return the item or document as is required in a property receipt. In addition, when authorities searched a suspect's desk, they found an they found antique coins with a receipt in the name of a man who died in November of 2022. The suspect, employed by the medical examiner's office since 2018, had handled the man's death investigation. District Attorney George Gascon said the allegations represent a violation of trust in uh, of the community and says the theft of items, potential family heirlooms, and sentimental pieces from the deceased not only violates the trust, distrust, but des- desecrates the memory of a loved one. Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Uday Ukpau said his office was cooperating in the investigation. That's about as low as you can get in life, in my opinion. Had it happened for, had had to investigate a deputy coroner. And what, you know, when they go out on death scenes like that, they they take uh, all the medications that the people are on. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to dispose of them. And I can't remember, somebody ratted him out, one of the Acadian workers or whatever, but he was taking all of the narcotics, whether it be pain pills or or benzos or whatever. And evidently had been doing it for a long time. And I ended up. I, I need to tell a story on original real life. Real crime was drops on Tuesdays, but I ended up getting a confession out of him. And he, he was he, he had an addiction, and the ones that he didn't take, he sold to whomever. Well, right. I'll tell you, it's uh, you know, 2018. This guy had been employed. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's, are, been, he's been doing he's, it forever. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just despicable. That's crazy. Just another reason. To reach out to Roy, Kristen, and Kristen yes. at Parish Forensics and yes. let them do the That's autopsy right. for you. Right, right. Because underneath the giant American flag in Broussard, we love them. All right, next story. Um, and I know we say this pretty often, but this is a particularly brutal, tragic, and sad story that I'm about to tell you. But, y'all, it is real life, real crime. Can't always do stories about killer whales, right? So ear muscle recommended for those who don't want to hear about senseless murder of a five-year-old. Prince McCree was found blood-soaked, bound, and gagged in the fetal position on October 26, just one day after his disappearance from a multifamily home. A teenager, Eric Mendoza, 15, and his adult accomplice, David Patera, 27, are accused of beating and stabbing the little boy to death after playing video games with him. Mendoza and Patera are accused of placing the five-year-old McCree's bloody, lifeless body in a garbage bag before dumping it in a dumpster in Milwaukee and then telling police they didn't know where the boy was. Police found Prince's battered body near the home, and he and his family shared with several other people, including the two suspects, uh, Patera and Mendoza. 
Court documents say that the little boy's mom last saw him the morning of October 25th. He was sick, so she kept him home from school. The boy wanted to go into the basement of the residence to play video games, which he frequently did with Patera. The mother assumed the boy was playing with the 27-year-old, but when she checked the basement later, it was dark and empty. A detective searched the basement and spotted blood on the cement floor near the carpet runners. Patera, who was down there at the time, immediately tried to move the runners to cover the stains. Um, he claimed he and Mendoza had roughed the house earlier and the blood came from Mendoza's nose. nose. However, in the portion of the basement that was Patera's bedroom, the detective observed more suspected blood on a white comforter covering a chair as well as on a blanket that was used as a divider. Then another detective noticed a large amount of blood on Patera's right leg. Authorities got a search warrant and uh, with the K-9 team, and the K-9 alerted to the odor of decomp. So y'all, this would have been a um, cadaver dog, not a chase dog. K-9 alerted to the odor of decomp at the base of the basement stairs where three sweatshirts were hanging from the back door. One of the sweatshirts was spotted on surveillance video as Patera carried the garbage bag containing the boy's remains. After police found several bloodstains in the bedroom, Patera admitted that Mendoza had talked for some time about wanting to kill someone. The teen never liked Prince and discussed wanting to kill the boy, according to police. Patera later confessed to witnessing Mendoza choking Prince in the bedroom until he was motionless. Defendant Patera did not intervene to stop Defendant Mendoza at any point. And once the child was motionless, Patera said, we got to clean it up. Using thick black duct tape, he and Mendoza bound Prince's hand and feet. Um, they stuffed rags in the prince's mouth and covered them in tape to quiet his screams in case he was still alive. When Mendoza noticed the child regained consciousness, he said, we need to shut him up. Padera then punched the boy repeatedly, and this is where it really gets bad, y'all, in an effort to silence him. When that didn't work, Mendoza stomped on his head multiple times. When he continued to whimper, Patera grabbed a 30-pound barbell and dropped it on the child's head. Believing that he was dead, Patera Mendoza placed his body in multiple garbage bags. When he began to make noise again, the pair took turns striking him in the head with a golf club. Police recovered a black-handled butterfly knife that Mendoza confirmed he used in three separate stabbing incidents. And these two assholes, uh, look, I love my Wisconsin people, y'all. This was in Wisconsin, and they deserve whatever the best of, of the worst in Wisconsin's prisons can give him for justice or them for justice. Five years old. I mean, that was that bad. was like the Hamas attack on October 7th. That's just brutal what they did. to them. They lived with that kid. Yeah. We're going to go to California where, uh, and I was still living in California and, uh, remember, uh, this unbelievable incident when it took place. So the captain of a dive boat that caught fire and sank off the California coast in 2019, killing 34 people has been found guilty of manslaughter. According to a release from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Central District of California, Jerry Boylan, 
age 69, of Santa Barbara, was found guilty on Monday of one count of misconduct or neglect of ship officers, an offense known as, quote, Siemens manslaughter. Per the release, the crime carries a maximum penalty of, of 10 years in federal prison. Quote, this ship captain's unpardonable cowardice led to the deaths of 34 lives on Labor Day 2019, said attorney Martin Estrada. Quote, as the jury found, this tragedy could have been avoided had Mr. Boylan simply performed the duties he was entrusted to carry out. We hope that today's verdict brings some solace and closure to the victim's loved ones. Following the end of a 10-day trial in Los Angeles District Court, Judge George H. Wu scheduled sentencing for February 8th. Boylan remains free on $75,000 bond. The 34 people who were all sleeping below deck, 33 passengers and one crew member, were trapped and killed. Five crew members, the only ones not below deck, all survived this incident. They escaped by jumping overboard and seeking refuge on a nearby boat called the Grape Escape. According to the release, the jury found Boylan, quote, committed a series of failures in his role as captain, including abandoning his ship instead of rescuing passengers. Such conduct constituted misconduct, gross negligence, and uh, inattention to his duties that led directly to the deaths of 34 victims. The jury also agreed with prosecutors that the captain was the first person to abandon the ship, even though the 33 passengers and a crew member were still alive and trapped below deck. Boylan also failed to perform any life-saving or firefighting activities or use the boat's public address system to warn passengers and crew members about the fire. Other failures, including not having a night watchman or rolling patrol on the boat and failing to conduct sufficient fire drills as required by law. Boylan's lawyers argued that he remained on the boat long enough to broadcast a distress signal, uh, distress call to the U.S. Coast Guard, and he only jumped overboard when he was certain he would not survive otherwise and he couldn't save those below. Investigators say they were unable to determine exactly what started the fire, but they discovered it began toward the rear of the main deck where passengers had plugged in phones and other devices into a lithium-ion battery charger. The victim, uh, the victims ranged in age from 16 to 62 years old. Just a horrible, wow, you know, and the, as it go, the captain must go down with the ship. I mean, I, I guess he would, he'd rather be tried by six or tried by 12 than carried by six. Sad. Yeah, and we're going to go to Tennessee. Tennessee was part. We're going to go to Tennessee. All right. This great state of Tennessee. I'm going to let you guess which part. How about that? Chattanooga, where I used to live. Cleveland, Tennessee. Possibly. Green County. Green County. Do you know where Green County is? I'm going to tell you. While you're looking that up, I'm going to tell you about the story. And and what are you being a hunter? You can relate to this. Uh, Hunters in Tennessee were setting up a deer stand when they came across a woman's dead body. Officials identified her as missing 27-year-old Lakeisha Bracey, according to the Greene County Sheriff's Department. Family members reported Bracey missing from Chesterfield, Virginia, about 360 miles northeast of where she was found in Greene County, Tennessee. She had been missing since October 31st, 
when Chesterfield police said she left her home at around 5.30 a.m. in her car and did not return. The police department received notice on November 2nd that Bracey's car had been found in Tennessee off Interstate 81 and that the body was found in that the body found nearby could be hers. Green County deputies responded to a call from hunters around 5 p.m. on November 2nd, according to the release, and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation also responded. Her body was then sent to forensics for examination, but her cause of death has not been determined yet. They do say that foul play is not suspected, which I found strange. You know, yeah, that's found it kind of in the middle of the woods. In a, yeah, because Green County, Tennessee, believe it or not, is actually northeast of uh, Gatlinburg. And shit. We used to go up there yeah. all the time. And that's got to be – I know it's on the, near the uh, Virginia border. Uh, it's just weird. Strange. How, do you, how do you figure there's no foul play? Uh, the only thing I can figure is there was maybe signs of suicide on the yeah, on the scene, or and not maybe, saying that that's what it is, but maybe like the guy in Baton Rouge was over overdose and they rolled him up and rolled yeah, him out. just really strange that I don't know. I mean, we'll follow the story and kind of give yeah, you an update yeah, when definitely. they determine the actual cause of death. Very very interesting, and but yeah. with it being hunting season, you know, right. that's one thing I would I would you know you do hear about these stories right. of people so stumbling because. Across these bodies More and people missing people woods. this time yeah, of year, right. and especially. We've been, we've been doing all our food plots and on the tractors, and we just got them planted last week. So hopefully we got the rain this week, the weekend that we need it. But, yeah, you, you, know, you see shit that you just, you know, it's untouched the rest of the year. Right. You, Jim, should be doing this next story because you are the professional. I thought so, too, Woody. Trade it was one. sent to you. Trade not me. me. One. Yeah. Trade <laughs> me your next one. <laughs> you gonna trade yeah, stories yeah, with me? I, okay. I, I need you to do it because that's, that's your jam. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm gonna do this story. And I thought uh, UFC was his jam, not MMA. UFC, the same thing. Okay. Right. Well, the problem is uh, I don't have another story before he was in our segments. MMA. All right. Why don't so you do here, it together? Do Why don't you guys do it, here, it together? Do it. Yeah, you do the first part, and I'll do the wrap-up. All right. right. How about that? All right, so here we go, y'all. So when you're a knife-wielding maniac, it's always good to know who you're attacking before you attack, and you should probably make it a priority not to attack former MMA fighters, but Omar Marrero isn't that smart. A former MMA fighter sprung into action to take down a man who confronted him with a knife. In a a Miami parking lot last Wednesday at around 4 a.m. after going out, uh, during a Halloween night, ex-fighter Javier Baez, let's get that right, Jim. B-A-Z, you got it. Was confronted by a knife-wielded man. The man, identified as 50-year-old Omar Marrero, allegedly broke one of Baez's car windows before entering the vehicle from the driver's side door in an attempt to cut him with a knife. Baez then tried to calm the angry Marrero down and lower the temperature of the situation. But as Baez was slowly getting out of the car, Mero grabbed another knife. And according to Baez, guy was out there screaming on the phone. Literally was fighting for a while with some woman. He tapped on my door window. I told him to leave me alone. And then he came in with a knife, and I told him to leave me alone. Take it from there. Yeah, so um, 
I'm calling the cops. I hope he doesn't break my window. That's all I cared about. When Marrero then uh, attempted to charge at Baez, that's when the former fighter took matters into his own hands. He backed, blocked off the attack from Marrero and picked up and then slammed the knife wielder to the ground in a move reminiscent of something he'd do in the ring. When you train so many times, it just becomes reflex. Once it came to that, it's all instincts. I couldn't do much but react. I've been training my whole life. Black belt, jiu-jitsu, wrestled in college. I've got eight pro fights, MMA masters. I've got great training partners. Though his last fight was in 2018 and his final win came in 2016, Bias said that he had the right mindset when confronting the dangerous situation in the parking lot. I stayed calm, kept my balance, kept my composure, didn't bring him down and start beating on him. I just took him down. After putting Moreira in a chokehold, Bias was able to hold down the assailant with his knee and call the cops who eventually apprehended the suspect. Uh, he said that he was not hurt in the chaotic moment, and Marrero now faces charges of burglary with assault and battery and aggravated battery for the incident. See, how would you, you like? Don't, how would you like to pick a fight with someone? You just don't know. He, he picked with this dude, and this dude is a trained killer. And let me tell you, training. I, 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 look, I almost put on your your jujitsu outfit this morning because <laughs> I had the shivers. That he, thing's hanging in the studio. There you go. It, you know. The, that and that's really the thing when it be, when it becomes muscle memory and yeah. you don't even think about it. Number one, uh, most people in a fight have never been in a fight, right? And so when they get in a fight, their adrenaline raises so high right. and they don't remain calm, so they gas out in thirty seconds. Right, right. It, it, most people, if they want to fight you, else. let them let them kind of get their jollies for about thirty seconds, right. and then they're going to be puking on themselves, right. and then right. you go to work, right? And and uh, that's essentially what this guy did. He just, you know, he Reverted a professional fighter is going to beat the shit out of ninety nine percent of people. There's out there. a <clears throat> there's a video on this. Yeah, he didn't wait the thirty seconds. <laughs> he just, no, he didn't. He just, yeah, he, yeah, well, he he, he took this guy down in like half a second. Right, it was yeah. over. Yeah, he was trained and and highly trained at that. And but even just your layman person that knows nothing. If you just remain calm, you've got an edge. Right. You've got an edge. Someone takes you to the ground, wrap your legs around them, pull their pull their neck down towards your chest, and just hold on to them for about thirty seconds. So guess how. And then they're gonna want to be let go. Right. And that's when that's when it's time to go to work. Right. Yeah. There you go. So. Good job. So Good job. Now, officially, MMA, UFC. What about bo- anything involving a boxer? I kind of like boxing, but uh, okay, okay. I just yeah, need what to keep this straight the for the board, so we don't get into trouble yeah. like I did on that I it was earlier story with yeah, Jim. That was a good split. You can get in trouble. We just we just split it. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jim, okay. we're going down under. Down under. I'm going to be going down under tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist uh, that. A uh, boom, Jim. There's no way that. There's no way. There's no way that you're going to be brave enough to leave that in. I want. Oh, totally I, leave okay, that in. I want to hear that. I in will this totally episode. leave that. In. Okay. I'm going to leave this on. All right. It's my Summer anniversary. I can't. Okay. Okay. Go a little far, south yeah. of the border. I think that's whoa. Another boom, Jim. <laughs> he walked. That's two. I want to hear in this All episode. Right. Uh, All right. Okay. That's funny. So you're not going to uh, nope, do I'm a not. little Australian farmer accent for oh. me? Let's throw a little shrimp on the barbie. Okay. I, think we, I think we've taxed Jim a bit in this episode. So, <laughs> An Australian farmer says he survived being bitten by a 10-foot saltwater crocodile who tossed him around like a rag doll. You know how he did it? Pushed him in the nose. He bit that croc right in its eyelid. Nice. Colin Devereaux, Sweet. a veteran cattle rancher in his 60s, spoke about his heroic survival in the Australian outback as he prepared to leave a local hospital where he spent nearly a month recovering from his injuries. He had been on his way to build some fencing near his home in Twin Hill Station in the Northern Territory when he was suddenly attacked while stopping at a lake known as Billabong to watch some fish swimming. I took two steps and the dirty bastard crocodile latched onto my right foot, Devereaux told Australians ABC News. Devereaux said at first he tried kicking the scaly predator in the ribs with his uh, free left foot before deciding to use his own teeth as a weapon. I was in such an awkward position, but by accident, my teeth caught his eyelid, the rancher recalled. It was pretty thick, like holding on to leather, but I jerked back on his eyelid and finally he let go. Devereaux said the entire attack happened in about uh, eight seconds. Having freed his leg, Devereaux took off running toward his car, but he wasn't done yet. The toothy attacker started running after him and chased him all the way to his car, um, but the farmer was able to get in his vehicle before the angry croc got to it. Devereaux used a towel with the length of rope as a makeshift tourniquet on his injured leg to stem the bleeding because he and his brother then had to drive 80 miles to the nearest mm. hospital. From the time of Devereaux's hospitalization, doctors have repeatedly flushed the harmful bacteria from the croc's mouth and the dirty lake water that had seeped into his open wound. He received skin grafts earlier this month and said he could feel his toes for the first time. Doctors are optimistic he will soon be able to walk 
again. If the crocodile had bitten me somewhere else, it would have been very different, Devereaux said. The farmer added that his brush with death has taught him to be more careful and aware of his surroundings. I've been walking around that swamp country too long, fixing fences and living life, but it's opened my eyes, he said. The crocodile that attacked the cattle producer has since been removed, according to Devereaux. Mm, So... If you get attacked by a croc, bite him in the bite him in the eye. Well, you know they say in sharks you're supposed to punch right in the snout. No, no, don't talk. Sharks don't attack oh. people. Oh, they don't. It's a fallacy. You want to fry some shark this weekend? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sharks stew. My, my poor, my poor uh, sharks. Didn't LSU, didn't LSU play Florida this past week? I have to fry. Not, but, uh, some gator. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They sure did. Yeah, we could fry us up some gator. No doubt about it. Good stuff. Very good. You can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. Now, this mile-high crime is just insane and could have been really, really bad. A flight school student has been arrested after damaging 10 aircraft at the Treasure Coast Flight School at Whitham Field in Martin County, Florida. The 23-year-old international student from India was reportedly expecting to undertake his first solo flight. When school instructors refused to let him fly, he became frustrated and vandalized a number of airplanes. The incident came to light when school officials reviewed security footage and contacted police. Some of the damage they think he may have done and would maybe not have been detected until they were airborne which would have impacted the ability to land this from Martin County Sheriff William Snyder. Among the items vandalized was the plane's throttle, a crucial uh, control mechanism that regulates the power or thrust produced by the engines of the aircraft. The flight school has grounded all affected aircraft and the planes will remain non-operational until mechanics can assess and determine the extent of the damage to each aircraft. The 23-year-old student was arrested at the Witham Field Airport and is in some serious shit. Had even one of the incidents not have been caught, the vandalism could have resulted in an airplane crashing. So I'm pretty sure some federal charges are pending on this one. And that's serious, man. 23-year-old, you think he's entitled much? Right, they won't let you uh, <laughs> Come on, do your brother. first solo flight. So you're gonna go trash a bunch of planes. Yeah, I wonder because because you were pissed because they if, wouldn't let you fly. I wonder if uh, he he ever wanted to learn how to land the plane or just take it uh, off and fly. A, right? Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's uh, you know uh, it, that could have been really bad, man. Yeah, it's just uh, what was the crazy. reason they didn't let him? He they didn't really ready. say, but I mean, I would maybe he, he wasn't, wasn't ready, ready for that yet. And he's like, "Bullshit, I am. I'm going to damage ten aircraft." Yeah, so they need some job. kind of mental check. Yeah, twenty three years old. You can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. Here we go. If you ever go back and listen to the original life, original real life, real crime episodes, glory hole, this one's kind of like that. Um, so there's a local park outside of Atlanta is being terrorized by droves of sex crazed people 
copulating in broad daylight on top of the picnic tables, prompting police to launch a sexting operation to stop them. Police in East Point said they've received hundreds of complaints in the last few months from outraged residents reporting people engaging in various sex acts on tables and in the woods of Sykes Parks at all times of the day. The park has apparently emerged on the lines of place for strangers to meet up for a public trice, cops said. The issue of one of our most popular parks has caused community around that park to live in fear. Parents cannot walk their kids in the park. Children cannot walk their dogs or play in the park. Citizens cannot enjoy a peaceful day in the park. That's what the police chief say, y'all. The park has somehow made it onto a nefarious website known as a meeting place for illicit sexual behavior. We have made arrests, upgraded patrols, and assigned officers to, to that park, but all to no avail. Police have set up surveillance in the area and are monitoring social media and other website offenders often used to organize meetups. So far, nearly two dozen people have been arrested and charged with public indecency. Neighborhood resident Napoleon Black told the outlet he used to love walking his dogs in the park, but now says the park isn't safe for families. Some are criticizing the department online, accusing cops of targeting those who were arrested for their lifestyles by posting their photos online in an attempt to, in an attempt to discourage would-be offenders. Said at no point have we mentioned any lifestyle in the post, nor are we aware of these individuals' lifestyles. The police fired back on social media trolls. Police said some residents have threatened to take actions into their own hands to stop the behavior, which is discouraged. In a follow-up statement on Wednesday, the department said they want to make it clear that all individuals arrested were arrested in broad daylight. Wow. People just got to get it on. Yeah. I mean, it's like they do it. I mean, you wouldn't believe the people we arrested doing it. Hundreds like, of them. Uh, vice presidents of banks, uh, telephone company employees. Hey. They're just, yeah, got to get it. Most of them was on their lunch break. Don't they have a, nudist, they have a nudist colony near uh, Atlanta or something? They have one near Slidell. Yeah. Well, somewhere yeah. where Indian those people Mound, could just go. Yeah. I mean, what the hell do you have to go to a public oh, park? Indian, Indian, Indian Hills. Indian Hills, yeah. yeah. But the, the, <laughs> the, you know, I get names wrong. But the, the park thing has always been a thing. And, and yeah. it's just what people do. But usually it's in the dang woods, isn't it? It ain't like on well, the picnic table. Shit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're usually in the woods or in the bathroom. Hey, that's a kinky. It was kinky, all kinds of people, right? And it wasn't just uh, uh, gay people or just hetero. Because the light, what's the lifestyle comment about? Well, I'm sure about? somebody. Uh, the Swingers. They started, they started mm-hmm. putting up the photos of the people they arrested to try to say, look, you come in this park and do this, we're going to arrest you and put your photo up too. And somebody got mad about that and said, yo, you're only doing that because of my lifestyle. Yeah. No, and they were, they, they were doing it because you were fucking in daylight in a yeah. public park. Yeah. And they and they said it was hundreds. Right, right. You know, it, right. crazy. Kinky. Kinky. Hmm. And have a it. nefarious website that sets up those meetups. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now Haggis going to be researching it. Yeah. Yeah. For research, honey, I swear. All right. for research purposes. <laughs> well, since we were just in the outback biting that that uh, croc, I figured we'd stay in Australia. Where a man was arrested for allegedly having started about a dozen small fires. 
Police successfully tracked and arrested this 31-year-old guy in a place called Frankston, which is just south of Melbourne. At least 12 fires had been reported in one area in just one weekend, all started by this moron. They finally caught the guy, and when they did and they searched him, they heard a strange noise when they started patting him. Mm. Near his, um, he had a rocket in his pocket. Near his uh, genital region. <laughs> yeah, they heard. A duck in the pocket. Hell was that? <laughs> ducks. Uh, yes, ducks. So says, the man. The man had two live <laughs> ducklings. Like definitely a duck. <laughs> the man had two live ducklings. You can teach me how to do a duck call, Woody. The man had two live ducklings hidden in his underwear. Nice. Besides the arson charges, besides the arson charges, he is also now facing charges of animal cruelty, Mm -hmm. which, of course, leads me to say two things. One, that's foul. Get it? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, listen to some banjos, you duck smuggling, fire starting Aussie idiot. That's funny. A duck smuggler. Ducks. It's really foul. Right. A joke was foul. A joke was foul. <laughs> I bet his sweaty balls are killing those baby ducks. Who was the actor sweaty that, balls? that had sweaty the, balls. You know, the story that wasn't true about the gerbil? Oh, Richard Gere. Yeah. Remember there was always yeah. the story about the yeah, gerbil? Yeah, but people, How do you know it wasn't true? It wasn't true. People do <laughs> put gerbils in their ass. Well, yeah. apparently yeah. some uh, Aussies uh, like to try baby uh, ducklings. Uh, uh, one time I had a guy to put a, Natalie, figure this the fuck out, put a light bulb inside his ass and had to go, go called and go to mercy. You know how he did it? He covered it in plaster player, a plaster, what do you call it? Stuff? Plaster of Paris. Plaster of Paris and shoved it in his ass and then he realized he was in a bind. What the hell? Yeah. They had people put a light bulb. He should have been bulb. on jackass. Yeah. No, people do that. That's for real. Mostly it's sex toys that people go to the mercy room for, but they do do, do animals. Um, I have to say something that, that I can't get that story out of Milwaukee out of my head. But that I, baby boy, that's just like of all, the horrible things that we. I mean, we we've done so many horrible stories. Just yeah, well, to think two people would do yeah, that to well, a five year old log them running, death row inmate in the state of Louisiana killed him and his lover. Killed a little boy. I think it was like eight, and but they did a lot of bad shit to him before they killed him brutally with all the raping and everything else. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yep. And Sadly. hey, this is real life, real crime, and it's, it's hard to hear, but yeah, that's what it's about. All right. Any final thoughts? No, I just want to thank everybody again, as always, for liking and sharing, and leave us a review if you're so inclined, and check out. Uh, all the new stuff that Jim's getting up on us on one of these episodes, on these apps, and uh, Real Life Real Crown Community app, and the Real Life Real Crown Daily page, and everything else, right? That's right. TikTok. Tick, uh, tickety-tock. Tickety-tock. Mike. Mike. I think I'm done with tickety-tock. <laughs> I watched the debate last night, and they're right. right. I mean, we should all be off TikTok. I'm sorry. I didn't watch anything last night. All right. Well, 
I'm just going to say that a fireman might be in my house. Right. Right. (laughs) Hey, happy anniversary. Get a knock on that door about 530. Jim, that's that's show content, and really uh, somebody should be filming. All right. Up to a certain point. Well, somebody might be filming. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> that would be the third boom. On that Is note, that, I'm leaving all that in. Right. That's right. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. For real life, real crime daily. Peace. Aglets. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.